is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Won't you stop and take a little time out with me? Just take five. Stop your busy day and take the time out to see I'm alive. That was Carmen McRae with her take on Dave Brubeck's classic Take 5. Good morning, this is Elliot Moss and you're listening to Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining. Jazz Shapers is where you get to hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, very luckily for you, we put someone who's shaping the world of business and we call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say my business shaper today is Will Wynn. And Will is the co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension, the only technology-led auto-enrolment business business out there that's a promise and he's made the promise so we'll hear all about how technology is changing the way that people invest in their pensions in the workplace lots coming up from will very shortly in addition to hearing from him you'll also be hearing from our program partners at mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and then we've got the music and it's brilliant today it includes none other than otis redding madeline peru and this from gary clark jr That was Gary Clark Jr. with Cold Blooded. Will Wynn is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. He's the co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension, as I said earlier, and that is a technology-led auto-enrolment business. Hello, Will. Hello, Elliot. How are you doing? All right, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Tell me what a technology-led auto-enrolment business does. So, um, effectively, every single employer in the UK, since beginning in October 2012, ending middle of next year, has to put all their staff into a workplace pension. Um, That means millions and millions of people have to be put on to a workplace pension and and tens of thousands, actually over a million employers have to set one up. Uh, A variety of people have approached uh, the market. There's the government provider, which you can imagine is built like a government provider is um, and loses lots and lots of money. Uh, You have some incumbents who've been around forever who sort of try and tack this onto their business model. Uh, And then you've got what we do, which is say, okay, there's vast numbers, there's very, very many small employers with you know one to five or one to thirty staff who uh, have to do this. <clears throat> How can we do it in an effective way and use technology to do that? So everyone else, the, the the government, the incumbents, did not go okay, ground up first principles. Let's start over and just make this as quick and clean as possible. They've just tried to attack it, tack it onto their existing operating model, which is sort of letters and stamps and put shuffling pieces of paper around and IFAs going up the motorway to see you and have a lunch and all the rest of it and charging fees. Whereas we've said, take the whole thing, break it down, rebuild it and optimise it using technology. So something that used to take weeks can be done in minutes. Now, you know, most people listening will go, yeah, I've kind of heard about this auto-enrolment thing and many people will indeed be auto-enrolled. What made you decide that this was going to be where you were going to develop a business? Because 
like many things, there are big trends out there and some of us see them coming and you kind of go, I bet someone's going to sort that out. Why did you decide to sort it out? So, good question. I was, um, my first day at work, uh, about 20 years ago, I was on the trading floor in a French bank called Credit Agricole de Suez and I turned up dressed uh, in a somewhat, uh, I somewhat misjudged what the trading floor of a, uh, of a bank was like and I turned up with a uh, corduroy jacket and floppy blonde hair and walked into a room full of uh, wide boys who thought I was the funniest thing that ever walked through the front door and laughed their heads off at me. The chap who that meant that I was there for the guy who had the mickey taken out of him uh, for quite some time, which was fine. Um, but the guy who joined the week before me uh, was a guy called Andrew Evans. And he was delighted that I arrived because I took over the role of the person who had their head kicked in <laughs> uh, by all the traders and all the beasting stuff. But anyway, Andrew was in the city and he and I remained friends for 20 years. We're still friends and he's who I co-founded Smart with. So Andrew's career went to, up through the city. He became pretty senior at Lloyd's. Um, and about three years ago, October 2013, it was he and I were chatting, having dinner, just meeting up. And he said, there's this thing called auto enrollment coming. Over 10 million people have to do it. That I can't make money out of it realistically with Lloyd's because there's a fee cap of 75 basis points. We it costs us more than that to operate our current model, um, and it's just not working. And this is a, so I then said this is obviously a market which is ripe for um, technology to fix. So you know distribution through the internet and then operate the whole thing on a web-based basis and on a distance basis rather than going as, rather than a face-to-face model. Now I was—I actually thought that he was must be misinformed because I was at that stage a director of a, another company, um, 50 staff. I'd never heard of it, um, and I was like, "This is nonsense. I don't believe it's true." I then checked; it was true. I then looked at what the competition was doing, the government, some of the incumbents, some of the people who had set up, and they're all doing what. So the only people who were being successful were those who were free for the employer, but that was why they were being successful, not because they were doing anything particularly innovative. They just removed the, the, the friction on the way in for the employer and therefore people were signing up with them on a free basis. But what you're saying is you had a dinner and you yep. probably don't remember what you had for dinner and <laughs> after the dinner you then decided to do some research on the back of that you went let's go for it and we're going to come to is that is that give basically or take, give, give or take, or take. Yeah, yeah. we'll come to the give or take in a moment stay with me for, to find out how Will Win on the back of a very good dinner with a friend is here talking to me about his business called Smart Pension uh, they're the auto enrolment technology led business hope I said that properly time for some more music we'll come to, back to Will in a moment this is Madeline Peru with the Summer Wind That was Madeline Peru with the hypnotic The Summer Wind. Will Wind is my business shape today, co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension. And they're the people that are providing the technology behind the auto-enrolment thing that has hit the UK. You were saying to me about your friend Andrew, who is the CEO now, is that yes, right? Um, you, were, you were talking about dinner. Yep. And I've heard this story before, fun enough, in different guises where people have just gone, do you know what? At that point, so you, you, you talk over dinner and then you go away and you do your research. If it had been someone else talking to you that night, if it wasn't Andrew, someone you trusted for 20 years, would we be having this conversation now, do you think? I mean, how would you have got to looking at the auto-enrollment world and would you have decided to do it without someone you trusted like Andrew? I see. Um, probably not. I think that the, one of the unique things that we bring as a pair and as a broader team is we have really deep 
specialist knowledge around the finance sector, funds, you know, the regulatory piece. There's a massive regulatory risk in this business for anyone in that sector. It's heavily regulated. Uh, and you wouldn't want to do it without that because, you know, you can do a minimal viable product in, you know, e-commerce or some, you know, an app or whatever. You can't do that in the, in the pension sector because if you get it wrong, shoot yourself in the foot on day one. And, and a minimum viable product, just for those people who don't um, know, is basically when you start to, you get to the start point of the very first iteration of your product. Yeah, and it doesn't quite work as you'd hope, as you expect it to eventually, but you still push it out there to see how people receive it, and then you can tweak it as you go along. You mm. can't really do that if you're handling someone's pension or looking after regulatory burdens for employers and their advisors. Mm. That's just not appropriate. So we needed to make sure that we were <clears throat> had deep knowledge in that space. And then in the, my background after five years in the city was in technology, so I spent a lot of time at eBay, where the, the mantra at eBay was make a small amount of money from a vast number of people, 18 million when I, when I, 3 million when I started, 18 million when I left three years later. You make a small amount of money from a vast number of people, uh, ideally without them ever contacting you. So that kind of stuff is important. And then my subsequent business was an e-commerce business doing flower delivery, and that's still running and it's very successful. And that's one of our biggest clients is, um, is Moonpig, uh, for example. Um, we did That business would have done 150,000 orders in a day just two months ago in, in, in Mother's Day. Uh, that's over a million API calls. So that's scalable technology. So there's, there's, there's a there's a requirement to make sure you do all the things right by the book on the regulatory piece, and there's a requirement to build a self-service scalable platform on the technology piece. And those are two quite unusual things to put together. And actually, you mentioned Arena Flowers, and this is another one of your businesses that you founded, just because you know we're here now on business number two at least, probably more, because you're probably <coughs> going to tell me about the, the business you were, you were doing when you were four or something. But, <laughs> but Arena Flowers, you said it's a going concern, it's proper, yeah. n- nice turnover. Yeah, so works. £10 million turnover. We've sold about £100 million worth of flowers over the course of the last... Um, decade or so. Um, so it started in 2006. It was mm. pretty bad timing, actually. We uh, we started a, a, a discretionary gift business that you can downgrade to a card or a phone call uh, months before the global financial crisis where everyone just tightened their belts. So that was pretty spectacularly bad timing. Um, but no, the business, we, we soldiered through. That was not uh, ideal for us, obviously, as you can imagine. The Northern Rock uh, queues around the block. On that day, our conversion rate dropped like 40% in a single day and stayed that level for a long time. And, and what was behind that business again? That, that was the first business you founded? Yeah, so I was at eBay and I had a, I was there for three years and the business, when I joined eBay, there were about, there were under 50 staff and then by the time I left, there was 300 staff for eBay, PayPal got massive, they bought Skype, they bought Gumtree, they bought Shopping.com. So the, the role went from being, I was in a team of two to like a massive team. And I'd actually left the city to go to eBay to try and diversify my skill set. Um, and at the end of it, it became a, quite a mature, grown-up business and lots of HR things and all that stuff. So I was thinking, I think I was doing going to do an MBA and INSEAD had offered me a place because I've got interesting uh, history in Africa, so they could, that sort of thing they like. Or actually, my friend uh, Steve and a good degree oh. from Oxford in biology. Let's not let's right, not forget that little bit yeah, over okay. there. He's very very humble. This man. <clears throat> yeah. So they're decent, they're relatively decent CV. So um, they were keen for me to go, and then I was interested in because you know, in, especially in the American companies, there's a certain level you can get to unless you found it, where you don't go any higher unless you've got an MBA, which is a kind of silly thing. But at the same time, I was talking to my friend Steve, and he was saying he was working for a flat delivery business. They're doing a terrible job of it. They hadn't really gone big on the web. It's one of those sectors where it was a little bit hard, and so they're Therefore, it was not top of the list to be disrupted by the internet. So we thought, massive market, £2 billion turnover a year, not been disrupted properly by the internet yet, so there's an opportunity for us to do a good job. And so that's why we set that business up, and it, and it took off like a rocket. It did £1.6 million a year one, £3 million a year two, and then it's gone from strength to strength since. Stay with me for my rather humble disruptor over here. Um, that's Will Wynn. He's done it in flowers. He's doing it with pensions. Um, hold tight because who knows what's next. Uh, latest travel coming up in a couple of minutes. But before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business.
I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for the private individual and their companies in buying and selling high-end residential properties in central London, as well as acting for private banks in their secured lending work um, on residential properties. The most important thing to know about working on complicated transactions is to effectively appoint a pivotal person that's going to act as the project manager of that transaction. Invariably, there's going to be a number of parties involved. It goes without saying that with so many people involved in a transaction, things can start going astray. So it's essential to have a go-to person. It's very much like that person is the conductor of an orchestra. All of the players are musicians in that orchestra. They each have a piece of music to read. Without that conductor, they're not going to play in tune, in harmony, to get the end result. Therefore, my advice is to have that person who can control, who can communicate and ensure that all parties are cooperating together. Too many cooks, disaster. They all start going off on their own agenda without having that person to essentially manage the process and effectively deliver that goal for that client. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning here on Jazz FM. I meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you'd like to hear any of the 250-plus people that I've met over the last five years, um, and it's gone quickly, they are all in iTunes, or lots of them are, and the other destination, if you're travelling in the next few weeks, is British Airways, and you can go into their High Life channel when you're on a plane. Will Wynn is my business shaper today. He's the co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension. He's also, as you would have been hearing earlier, I hope, uh, the co-founder and was chief executive of arenaflowers.com. Um, so you've got a bit of previous, basically, Will, in this world of shaping things. And we've been talking about you disrupting stuff, and, and, and that sounds kind of fun, and it's what you read in these wacky and interesting glossy books around the new world. The truth is, though, that you have to do some basics, don't you? And I imagine that in your first business that you founded, doing those basics threw up some challenges and throwing up some challenges meant that you found some solutions and you, I imagine, also learnt some stuff. What have you learnt from business one that you've applied to business two? So, um, that's a great question. So, we, there's a bunch of stuff that I didn't know um, when I started Arena and, and the weird thing is there's, it's, there are, there's no manual for being a managing director and actually one thing I found out and then ultimately CEO, the thing, thing you found out is it's, it's a pretty lonely job, right? Because you, all your mates, they may be super high-powered and they may have, you know, be very senior in businesses, but they're not actually the bloke responsible for the whole thing. For the whole thing, excuse me, getting choked up. Um, no, not, <laughs> not joking, but they, yeah, so they're, they're not responsible for the whole thing and that's, uh, that can be, uh, therefore they can't necessarily help you. They can give you advice, but they don't actually, they've never been there. Um, and so we made a few, a few pretty significant mistakes. Uh, and, and with the second business, we've steered around those uh, knowing that they will be coming in there there's an iceberg off in the mist and we just turn before we even before it even hoves into view so things around you know you're always interested in building the products and getting the marketing channels running in but actually just make sure that your accounting finance function is there and it's just maybe one person and it doesn't sound like a big deal but it is a big deal because you can just set off on the wrong foot and we did that with the flower business where we were mispricing a whole bunch of stuff and we were literally, literally for the first few months sending stuff out the door making zero money on it which is not good business and that wasn't my area I would I would hasten to add but that was pretty ridiculous and so you know just having the boring stuff that no one wants to do should be done that's one example um things around shareholders agreements and just the the sort of just the doing a deal on a handshake 
seems like a good idea, but even if it's just a single page of a few bullets, just to cover off those little bits of ambiguity can be incredibly helpful um, when set it for, for future reference. It's just, it seems like a, an, an inconsequential thing. But no, it can, but it's those mundane things that actually when you're in your excitement to get going on a business, you don't, have, you don't necessarily deal with and you need to. In terms of building products, I think, again, people get excited, I imagine, and say, mm. we're just going to do this. Yeah. How have you ensured that the product for smart um, pension is right. So um, that's a, that was a really important and unbelievably helpful thing uh, for us. So we did two things. We said, um, eBay used to be super interested in doing millions and millions of focus groups. So sometimes a paralysis by asking people lots and lots of questions. What do you think? What do you think? And sometimes you've got to make a decision. Just get on with it. However, you should take guidance. So, so what we did for uh, smart is we took we did a 200-person survey for SMEs. Um, the sorts of people that we thought will be wanting, needing our product in the coming time. And so we said, here are 25 attributes of a workplace pension. Rank them zero, which is terrible, and five, which is great, in terms of how much you like this feature. And then, the, and then, and then we'll go through and rank them all. Um, that gave us really, really clear indication of what people wanted. So the top two by miles were no setup fee, no ongoing fee. We're free to the uh, employer and their advisor. They said they wanted to get it done in one sitting and online. So you can do that with us in under 90 seconds. Uh, and then they had two others, which were, um, those two were the clear winners. And then they had, uh, please look after my staff. You know, I don't want to put them into a horrible pension where they lose all their money, obviously. Mm. Uh, and it would be nice to work my payroll. And those were the by far and out away the winner. So off the back of that, um, our strap line is fast, secure, free. We're super quick. We don't cost you anything. And we are robust and well-built and have good underlying funds and all that good stuff. That all, was really helpful. And all because you asked the simple questions, which is what's important to you. Yeah, because there were some like pet projects that we had. We put all our pet ideas on there and they all annihilated. It works on my mobile phone. Bottom. I mean, no one gave, no one cares, right? No one's going to set up a workplace pension on their mobile phone. They're going to do it on their laptop or their computer. And, you know, it was, just, it was really, really helpful and it gave us a very clear thing. And that's, that's resonated with, that's worked, right? So that's a very clear direct message. And then we built that. Stay with me for more from Will Win, my business shape today. Co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension, and they sound like they've actually worked out how to get the product right, which is simple. Ask people what they think is important to them. Time for some more music. This is Otis Redding with Hard to Handle. Baby, here I am, I'm a man on the scene. I can give you what you want, but you got to go home with me. Got some good old love and then I got some in store. That was the unmistakable sound of Otis Redding with Hard to Handle. Will Wynn's my business shaper. Um, he is the managing director, co-founder of Smart Pension. He's been talking about the smart and simple ways. You always make it sound simple. One makes it sound simple when you do the obvious things well, and that's what it sounds like you've done. The business is still young. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a couple of years old now, I think. Is yep. that right? Two yep. years. Um, and you've raised a lot of money. People have put in just under £25 million over the, over the period of time yep. um, since you've been going. Why have they invested in you, Will? I mean, I think I'd know because I've only met you for a few minutes but I'm uh, you, you seem pretty credible to me but why do you think they've gone that's my man or that's my team so I think that well so we've we've raised over a number of rounds my friend um, Marek said to me you've gone from the flower delivery, flower delivery business where you have Valentine's Day and Mother's Day which are unbelievably stressful to this business where every month there's a deadline for the next cohort of people which is unbelievably stressful so you should do something like more relaxing so we've raised money over over various uh, phases you couldn't do a more relaxing thing by the way what are you going to do you get bored in about two minutes <laughs> well yeah true possibly oh. I wouldn't mind uh, well no it's all good it's all good if you, if you can parcel up risk and you can compartmentalise it you can manage it so 
Uh, so we so the phases were we got the money. First of all, the first raise was to prove that we could even exist because it wasn't clear that we could, and because of the regulatory framework and things like that. We did that first. Then we then proved that we could build a platform and a prototype. So we got money to take it to market. That was the second raise. Then we proved that was working. We were getting traction. This is key because as you have every month a deadline, you can demonstrate you're getting traction and people are signing up and that what you say is going to work is working. So then we got money to scale it. Um, off the back of saying, okay, great, it works. Now go and get as much of the market as you can because it's a five-year land grab, effectively. Or you know, there's a big this this big section, and then it goes into business as usual. Then we had an institu- institutional round where Legal in General um, came to us, and we, we we had a chat with them, and they said, well, we we can't serve this segment. You guys can. Maybe we should have to take a strategic investment in you guys. That was incredibly helpful for us with our. Uh, an intermediary channel, so advisors mm. and you know, accountants, bookkeepers, payroll bureaus are like, oh wow, Legal in General, the largest pension provider in the UK has invested in you guys, and you must be legit. But before then, that happened though, because yeah. all these phases, I know, yeah. I know there's going to be one more, but yeah. why why did they keep saying yes? Was it because... So the, from- mar- so the market's massive, so there's you know, every so there'll be, depending on whose numbers you believe in, they're, they're not, they, they keep uh, amending them and adjusting them, the number of employees being put into this market is between 10 and 15 million, uh, and it's going to keep going forever. So that's about that's billions of AUM assets under management going into the pot every year, and you can then charge fees on the whole pot every year. So there's the, the numbers are huge. So the pension asset class is one of the largest in the country. Um, it's up there with property and, and all the rest of it. So it's, it's huge. Uh, and this, this gives you an opportunity to go into an unserved segment. So it, the reason they like it, it's complicated because... You have to spend a lot of the money now to make money later because the contributions are small, the pots don't exist yet, so you have to build pots up. Mm-hmm. So there's a complication around like you spend lots and lots of money for the next, you know, for, for several years until the contributions go to 8%, and then the, the business starts to, to become profitable. But I imagine beyond that model, which I understand is a big now and then much bigger return mm-hmm. later, they must have trusted you. They must have thought this guy knows what he's doing, this guy has a plan. Was it, in, in a, a sim- one, one word answer, was it personality? Or intellect. Uh, I think it's track record. Uh, so okay. delivered, done it before. I can tell you, that, you know, the ability to say to someone, you know, in February we did you know, X thousands of orders and the API was robust and that. Because the thing about you know, flower delivery on Valentine's Day, it has to be on Valentine's Day. Flowers delivered on the fifteenth of February, no good. API, so, just some APIs. API is an application programming interface, so that's the ability for uh, someone to integrate with your solution. So for Moonpig or one of our other customers, they can literally lock onto your software. Effectively, they, they log into our data. Effectively, they, they inject into our database, and then we fulfil that product. You're learning loads. I'm ho- I hope APIs and AUMs and all sorts of other things over here, and of course. MVPs, minimum viable product, I hope. Final chat coming up with Will. Um, plus, we'll be playing some new vocal jazz from Jazz Mayor Horn. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs> My man is begging he be. What is he doing? I've been asking questions all over town. Hoping to be found I'm on the loose. I don't dig it. The jaunty sound of Jasmine Horn with tight. Uh, stay with me for the next few minutes up until 10 o'clock because Will Wins My Business Shape and co-founder and managing director of Smart Pension. And we've been talking about all sorts of things in the world of finance technology or fintech, as it's called. You've won some awards as well. I've got to mention that, haven't I? Because you, you, you've, you've, what did you become? There we go. You've become part of the uh, fintech innovation of the year and overall winner at the Digital Leaders 100 2017. 
That's yeah, that was good. nice actually. That was it's a nice. So, would you, I mean, do you care about winning awards? Is not, it? not, yeah, not not too much. But that was a quite a big one. So, you know, given it, uh, yeah, that was that was pleasing. We weren't really expecting to win that because that's like got some big names in it, and we were pleased to win it. So, you, we've talked about disruption a little bit, and you like disrupting. I think you see the gap, and I think you yeah. know uh, how to exploit it. Is it easy, therefore, because the business is still fresh, to continue to disrupt, or does disruption become more difficult every day? So that's a really good question because it does. You know, you get institutionalised and things get done in the same way. So one of the things I'm really boring about with the team and anyone who joins new and so let's say we have a chap called Tim has just joined us to do secondary market and so thing we said to him, I said to him, and we say to everyone on the team is you've got to keep thinking about first principles. We don't do stuff the same way as everyone else we can do things the same as everyone else but we don't do it necessarily the same as everyone else so you have to think is this the right way of doing things some of the worst mistakes we made at arena was copying some of my co-founders previous tactics as a whole company and we ended up buying the wrong size vans and the wrong th- we did lots of things wrong by thinking let's just copy some elements of what they've done so now i've kind of forced myself and we as a group always force ourselves to think what's the first principles clean sheet of paper way of doing this and even though we, as you progress it gets harder to do that um we still try and think that way. So, for example, we went back um, on Smart. Initially, we built the platform in one way, um, and then we went back and rebuilt it to turn it all in, to run off an API. So, effectively, we make it into a platform that we plug into, but everyone else can plug into. That's a little bit harder if you mm-hmm. don't do it at the beginning. But we rebuilt it so now then, like, Sage is integrating with us at the moment for payroll software, and various other people can integrate with us, which opens up loads of opportunities. So, generally... It gets harder, but you have to consciously remember mm. we must maintain our nimbleness and our flexibility because that's why we can be disruptive. You look very motivated still, and you look very enthusiastic about mm. it. Um, yeah. That passion, is that easy to sustain because you're just genuinely interested in making something special? Is that is that what drives you? Yeah, I think it's... In, so we get asked that quite a lot when we do fundraising, right? They're like, how long are you here for? Um, what are you doing? You know, that sort of stuff. And what motivates both well, all of us in the team really is it's... Is the, it's really interesting what we're doing, right? So it's a sizable thing. It's uh, intellectually challenging to figure out how to solve these problems. Uh, and that's fun. Um, I enjoy the intellectual challenge. And then because you establish yourself in the market, so right, we've established ourselves, we're probably now the number two in the market after the government uh, in this segment of the smaller end of the market. Then you go, right, we're here now. We, ha- we have that. That's working. What else can we bolt on? So we're looking at going back up the food chain into larger organisations. We're looking at some secondary activity. We're looking at some there's some regulatory change which is going to drive consolidation. And then there's potentially ultimately some international stuff as well. Um, and possibly some white labour. So there's a few different things we can bolt onto it. And so we're thinking, okay, how do we structure that? And then it's just Bob the Builder type stuff. And how do you build this so you can control it properly? Because that's one of the problems. That's another one of the mistakes we made with Arena where we scaled. And we needed another layer of management. We didn't bring it in because we didn't think it was necessary and then we had some problems and so this time around it's like okay we're at that inflection point we need to insert additional clever people into the business to help us carry the load and then to build these things in the right way well it sounds like you've got quite a lot on the menu for building and shaping um the business as it goes it's certainly not short of ideas or space to go really good talking to you today um thank you very much a brilliant insight as well into someone who's sort of done this a few times and is and i'm sure going to make a great success of it just before i let you go though well what's your song choice and why have you chosen it um so it's uh, winter in america by gil scott heron um it's because uh, a friend of mine ivan is a massive uh, jazz fan um, I, would not, I didn't have a huge amount of exposure to music when I was in the Congo. My parents had three records. They had one by the Beatles, they had one Led Zeppelin album, and they had a record by Laura Branigan, who I doubt any of you even know who she is. But anyway, that was my three records I had as a child. And when we were at university, he, he asked me, he said, do you like um, 
Miles Davis and I said, um, sorry, who? Because my prep school, you weren't even allowed to listen to music. So literally you get punished for if you listen to music. So I said, Miles Davis, who's that? And he said, uh, you know, he's like famous jazz musician. I said, well, why don't you sing me some of the lyrics of one of the songs and then I'll see if I know it. And he was just like, you are so sad. Um, and so that wasn't great. And then he used to wake me. He thought it was his way of getting his revenge on me. He used to come into my room and play his saxophone, play jazz through his saxophone into my ear at like 3 a.m., which must have annoyed the neighbours as much as it annoyed me. But it was quite funny. Anyway, one of his favourite songs in, in the jazz arena was um, Winter America by Gil Scott Heron. So in homage to uh, Ivan, I think I'll, uh, I'll choose that. Here it is just for you. Thank you very much. From the Indians who welcome the pilgrims and to the buffaloes who once ruled a plain. Like the vultures circling beneath the dark clouds looking for the rain. That was Winter in America from Gil Scott Hearn, the song choice of my business shaper today, Will Win a person on a mission to disrupt and to shake up the industry that he is working in. Someone who understood the power of scaling. As he said, a small amount of money is the objective from a vast number of people. And someone who continues to push his team and himself to ask a very simple question. Is this the right way of doing things? That's how you do it. That's how you really build a new business in an old world. Great stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, stay with us. Coming up next, you know the drill. It's Mr. Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017.